Welcome to Random Rambling and Rhetoric with TJ Mercer. That's my TT. And it's all powered by the Samsung Notes. Now, here's my TT. I just loves me some porta potties, said no one ever. I don't know about you, but the ickiest thing on the planet is when I am forced to use a porta potty. I try to hold my bladder until the last possible minute. And what about nasty public restrooms? Ew, public restrooms plus kids. Parents, what do you do as soon as you take them to a public bathroom? You make them hold up their hands and forbid them to touch anything. Then you get in the stall, there's no toilet paper or seat cover, you handle your business, come out, and then there's no soap or paper towels. Lord, how much of Jesus is just not a good situation all around. Fortunately, though, fortunately, there's the restroom kit, a full bathroom solution the size of a lightweight deck of cards. A deck of cards, y'all. I keep one in my purse all the time just because it's complete with a full patented oversized toilet seat cover, enough toilet paper to cover the essentials, plus wet wipes for your tushy and your hands. The restroom kit is a don't leave home without a necessity for your road trips, you going camping, the beach, festivals, basically any restroom that ain't yours. Even that friend of yours who's cleaning is not their strong suit. You know what I mean. So pop on over and visit therestroomkit.com. That's therestroomkit.com. And when you use the code RAMBLINGS, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-S, you will get 15% off your purchase. So stop going to the bathroom without the full protection you need. Go get the restroom kit at therestroomkit.com. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? We are live, I believe. I'm getting ready to double check, but if you're coming in, I need to just know, y'all already know the drill. I just need to know if you can hear and see me. Let me make sure I go live over here on IG. IG says I'm live. Let me paste the topic and make sure we're all set. Okay, we're set over there. Andrea says she can see and hear me. Yes, we are in business. So welcome today, three of August full of TJ and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So for those of you who don't know, I am TJ Mercer. I am known as the walking exclamation point, the chief noise maker of Media Mavericks Academy as well as the bingo boss. I wear a lot of hats. I spent 25 years working on some of the biggest shows in television. And I recently moved to Atlanta to produce and host a TV show for and about HBCU students. Uh, but most days you can find me teaching authors, experts, coaches, and entrepreneurs how to book themselves in the media without a publicist and without being a celebrity. Good. And I like the way you wrote that over there. I hadn't noticed that. I hadn't thought about that. So I like that. Hi, IG. So thanks for joining with us, sister. Uh, at the top, you know, I want to take uh, a few people, three to four people who will tell me, tell us, not just me, tell us their takeaways from last night as this whole August full of TJ and Jesus came about simply because God told me to do it. And if you follow me long enough, you'll know 
He always tells me to do real crazy stuff. And I have no idea why I'm supposed to do this. I'm just being obedient. So LaDonna says, is it blurry for anyone else? Any, am I blurry for anybody? Am I blur? I'm blurry. Uh, I don't know. I ain't doing nothing different. I'm on my brand new computer. How am I going to be blurry on my brand new computer? And you know, Mac computers ain't cheap. How am I going to be blurry? Um, okay, so hopefully it'll, it, maybe it's the, 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 my feed and it will kind of clear up, hopefully. Uh, but I'm still cute, right? I'm still cute, right? I'm the TJ that you've grown to love. I'm still cute, blurry and all. But if you want to come on, Patrice has just posted um she has just posted oops i didn't grab the link so let me go grab the link stand by that's one thing that i do uh andrea patrice can one of y'all make sure that i build me a um a, a standard uh what do you call it when you're operating procedures they that you supposed to uh do you know and of course, Facebook is moving slowly for me to go grab the link. So hold on. There it goes. So I got to go grab it because I'm on a different computer than where I. Oh, but I should have been able to just grab it from what, where Patrice posted it. Hold on, y'all. Because Patrice is only pasting it for. No, I can't grab it that way. Uh, Patrice is only pasting it for. I got it. Remind somebody remind me, uh, Patrice Andrea, that this needs to go. That I always need to have the own, my own link in the clipboard. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so I just pasted it and it should hit Periscope, it should hit uh, YouTube and uh, in the Facebook groups, right? Okay, so if you want to come on and share 60 seconds of how yesterday or even day one stepped on your toes and you didn't nobody warned you about wearing steel toe boots uh use that link and that will bring you into the studio but for now uh i have two people that i i called on and uh i'm gonna go with james first this is my boy james oliver the ceo and create oh before i forget because i forgot to do it last night if you are inclined and you already know how TJ gets down and this is not your first night, go ahead and hit that share button and bring bring some friends in so that, you know, misery loves company and, you know, <laughs> better to go through things with people that's painful. So go ahead and hit the share button so we can keep building community of people that, you know, are crazy enough to think that we can change the game in people's lives. So with that said, um, my boy James hit me in text today uh sharing his insight from watching the replay on instagram and so i know i was like well you might want to come on and tell some folks about it <laughs> so james is the creator of the montage and james i'll let you tell them about that but tell them your takeaway so they know they're not alone yeah sure so i don't where's the pain i don't see any pain it's all good <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I'm not wearing no steel toe boots. I'm just got. I'm, I'm wearing flip flops during the Rona. Like, what you talking about? <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So let me go. 
your quote, what you said that caught my attention was God is telling you to do something crazy and it, and it ain't about you. And I texted you, I was like, yep, st like, like starting a foundation during a pandemic to give away money to black people who are parents and entrepreneurs, that's pretty crazy. And tell them, well, well, give them more details of even yeah. what drove you to start the foundation. Yeah, so I, I'll try to be brief. It's a long story, but it goes back to 2013. I was living a thousand miles away from friends and family in Northeast Wisconsin. And uh, I was starting a We Montage, which is the world's only website that lets you turn your digital images into removable photo wallpaper. And two days before I got into this tech accelerator, which was I desperately needed to get into because that was the only way I was going to be able to raise capital to launch the business. Uh, two days before that happened, my children, my twins were born three months prematurely and they only weighed two pounds a piece. And you know, the accelerator was a two hour drive each way. So that was the start of my entrepreneurial journey. And through that process, I mean, you know, long story short, as I got through the accelerator, the kids are fine. They came home. Thank God. I raised a couple hundred thousand dollars to launch the business. So then I wrote a book to inspire millions of parentpreneurs to be the best parent entrepreneur they can be. It's called The More You Hustle, The Luckier You Get. You can be a successful parentpreneur. And then I knew one day I was going to sell my business and start a foundation to help people like me because being a parent and entrepreneur together, especially when you're starting a business or have young kids, it's just really hard. And people don't understand what that pain is like. It's just, it's very different. And so right at the beginning of COVID, I was, I understand that within every crisis, there's an opportunity. So like Wayne Dyer says, you know, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, rest in peace, Wayne Dyer. So I was automatically like, all right, all right, God, like where are these opportunities? Cause I know that they're out there. Right. So I had a chance coffee meeting with some friends and I was telling them about my vision of starting a foundation one day. And they were like, why don't you do it now? And I was like, Oh dang. Like, that's some inspiration coming through somebody else directly at me. I'm like, okay, like do it now. <laughs> right? So then, you know, man, I'm crazy. I start, you saw this stuff. Cause I, I run stuff by you all the time. I start posting articles. I'm starting a foundation. I'm giving away $10,000. I'm like crazy on the faith thing. Right. Just crazy, <laughs> crazy. And then George Floyd, Mamad Arbery, Breonna Taylor, all this stuff happened. And I don't know if you saw them crazy videos about that, lady that karen lady in my neighborhood terrorizing me and my girlfriend yeah. her house was under contract by the way thank god so i got some peace of mind after all that i was like man this foundation for black people i like, forget that you know i started looking at these charts no seriously i'm like yeah. this for us this for us right you you pivoted you 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 pivoted well, but well, then yeah. tell them, and then tell them like i, I remember getting the text of this was just an idea and then yeah. What happened with your first donor? Oh yeah, so this is crazy. This is the crazy part. So I was emailing. So Brad Fell, he's a this dude is the top of the venture capital food chain. He is, and I mean I built a relationship with him over the last several years. But I was emailing with him about the foundation. He's like, I'll go back and forth about it. And he's like, telling, Oh, it's so hard to do this. And I'm like, I don't want to hear about what's hard. Like, I haven't been through the hard man. I, I ain't trying to hear it. So then a month later, I get an email from him out the blue after all this craziness has happened, right? America's burning, black people getting killed like crazy. And he's like, he just sends me an email, no message in the email, just a subject. Game for a 30-minute Zoom call? I'm like, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. Like, 
okay. Right. <laughs> so, no, did he know about the foundation? He knew about the foundation. Yeah, but he didn't know it was for black people though. Ah, okay. So he okay. says, he, huh? Okay. So thirty, so thirty minute phone call, and what yeah. happened? So he sends me an email back. He's like, yeah. He said, what two initiatives are you working on involving racial injustice for black people that I can put my time, money, and attention to? Right. So we hop on a call. We talk about this, and um, so then I ping him back after the fact. I was like, yo. This is just for black people. <laughs> He's like, cool. Mm. <laughs> because so he woke up one morning, he said he just was feeling anxious and he couldn't understand why. And he said that he realized that him and his wife, because he's very rich, right? right. They had they've been supporting programs and endeavors around black entrepreneurship. But he's like, I'm this middle aged rich white guy. He said, I have to do more. And like this dude is he's doing the work. He's reading like all these black books every day. He's supporting all these organizations. I saw today he's supporting something on PBS around black. He's like, he's sending me emails like, yo, like white people suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, but now I can't remember, James, are you able to tell how much he funded you for? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, so he gave us a seed grant of $50,000, right? Also, so you just an idea. That's the part listen. that I, I needed people Listen. to hear because I'm what we're teaching tonight is going. I wanted people to hear that because it's going to resonate yeah. with what I'm teaching tonight. Yeah, no, that's right. And people like that, they get down very different from the rest of us. Yeah, right. They get down on the strength of a relationship, right? How confident they feel about your ability to execute. I was working with him. He was like, just stowed up in a Google Doc. We co-created. And when he said he would co-create a short-term operating plan, I'm like, okay, he's finna write me a check. Why? Because he owns it now. I love it. I love right? it. Well, I know you got to go with your kids, James. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, God bless, man. Hey, and tomorrow, hey, tomorrow we going on that, that thing I sent you is going out blast on PRNewsWire.com. Like okay. major, massive, like massive. Awesome. I can't wait to see what happens. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Okay. Bye. Tish. Ma'am. Hey. <laughs> hey, so, coach. You've been here. So I want to hear your takeaway, girl. Okay. Let me did grab my note. Let me grab my did note. Did you have your toe on? I didn't have my steel toe boots on, but I sure had on some good tennis shoes. All right. Tell us your takeaway. So my takeaway, y'all, I had to call her because I'm like, you just not going to believe like how you were straight. Wait. And then I told her, I said, you leaned in the camera like you were looking directly at me. So I was convicted. <laughs> Love it. So I got I got a couple of points I'm going to share with y'all real quick. Um, you said one thing about is Jesus telling us something that we believe won't work. And mm. that really hit home with me because so y'all, I had shared with TJ how God has put this vision. I've been carrying this vision for about four years, but maybe about two weeks ago, he showed me a building uh, to be able to uh, create a transitional house for women with uh, a physical, emotional, or and or sexual abuse that are coming out of those situations, and um, 
I'm like, nah, not not me, God. Like, um, I don't think so. Like, you see this building, like one, it needs work. Two, that's gonna be a lot of money. And um, yeah, I don't know if you kind of looked at my bank account lately. So mm -hmm. when you said that, I was like, ooh, like, okay. I'm like, okay, God. So then, but when you got to, but if you say so, baby, I didn't highlighted that in my Bible and I didn't read it. I don't know how many times. Wasn't it good? Everybody else, who else hit on, but if you say so, who else did that hit home for? Type it in the chat. Who else did that hit home for? But if you say so. But if you say so. And okay. then here's the thing you said. But if you say so, and you said, but you've got enough experience with God. Mm. I've got enough experience with God that I have said so many times I moved to Atlanta because he said so. I mm. came to California to help you because he said so. I moved to Cleveland because he said so. And I'm I'm sitting back like, man, God, if I can trust you with picking up my entire house and moving to a completely different state, no job, no, in, no, no source of income coming in, but yet and still you sustain me. We didn't live on the street. We never went hungry. We always had what we needed. I'm like, if I can believe you because you said so, then. Ain't nothing different now. Ain't nothing changed. Ain't nothing different now. And then you said that about Peter. And you said, what if God was building Peter's faith up because he didn't believe? And he was like, okay, but if you say so. Yep. Baby, I think I almost ran down the street. I said, oh <laughs> my <laughs> Yep, yep. <laughs> I said, Jesus, you are built because I've been on the hundred dollar level, the thousand dollar level, the five thousand dollar. I'm like, God, you building my faith up to believe. Wait, listen, TJ, I wrote my prayer out. I said, not only do I believe, I said, God, I realize that I can believe you for this building, the people to repair it to furnish it, to come and help me build the program in it. I said, because you said so. Because you say so. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is the perfect segue to where we're headed tonight. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, All right. So I am getting ready to put this back up here for uh, Instagram. Let me grab my phone. Let's get to work. Let me make sure today we are coming from John 21 through 10, as well as 21, one through 14. And I may have to rely on my notes more heavily tonight than normal because I don't know. I just feel like I may have to. So. With that said, I want to start at 21, though. I want to read 21 first, okay? Let me get back to my screen. Later, that's all I want to read from 21, was that word later. Because here's the thing, as a storyteller, as a storyteller, context matters. So I had started out when God told me what we were talking about, I went to 
um, find the story and it was John 21. So that's why I started. But then I'm like, you got to go back. You got to go back to get the context. You got to go back and see what else has God done up to this point where John is going, well, later we need that in context. So now let's go to 20 verses 1 through 14. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. We're going to stick, if I didn't tell y'all, uh, we, we still with Peter. <laughs> we, I don't know how long we're going to be with Peter, but I think Peter is going to be, um, Peter is going to be integral, in, integral. What am I trying to say? He gonna be woven into what we gonna do this month. How about that? <laughs> she ran and found Simon Peter and the other. Did I see my girl Julia? Hi, my Julia. Uh, she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. That's John. She said they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. Here's this is what I love. Like just get the visual. Because remember, we've laid the foundation. We've laid the foundation of Peter's character. So get this. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, running. But the other disciple, John, reached. Oh, no. But the other disciple outran Peter and ran and reached the tomb. Wait, hold on, because I'm my... Lines are jumping. Okay, so let me start over. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. John got there first. He stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. But check out what Peter does. This is the Peter who had walked on water with Jesus. <laughs> so this is the Peter. Peter didn't stop. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed, and he went inside and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. Peter led. Remember, we talked about that yesterday. People were following Peter. Remember, we hit that. Peter led. John followed. But we're reading John's account. So we can't discount John and we can't discount Peter's impact on John. But here, once again, Peter is the one that's making the initiative. John stopped. He beat Peter to the tomb. And for whatever reason, he stopped. That ain't how Peter get down. Peter was like, no. Mary Magdalene said this. I'm going to see it for myself. I'm going in. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Now, I'm not going to go read it all, but there was a lot that happened in this chapter. Uh, what's important is I want you to know is that chapter uh, verse 19 is when Jesus first appears to the disciples. Uh, when they were meeting behind locked doors, he just popped up on them. Boom, he there. That's the first time. And then uh, I believe it's either Matthew, Mar it's either Matthew, Mark, or Luke. I can't remember. 
but there also is a window of time where Jesus appears to Peter and Cleophas. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but just go with it right now. He appears to Cleophas uh, and Peter, and they don't recognize him who it was until Jesus leaves. So he's appeared there to Peter. And then uh, eight days after he appeared to all the, the disciples, he appeared again in the room because that time is when Thomas wanted to see for himself that Jesus had to still had the wounds from the crucifixion. So I want you to pick that up um, before we head into 21. All right, so 21. Now, later, now we're kicking up on the later. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. So remember from yesterday, we were at the Sea of Galilee when Jesus first appeared and told Jesus, and told Jesus that you're going to be a fisher of men. About three years has transpired, because remember, that's when, when Jesus first called Peter into ministry to follow him. Three years has passed. Several of the, uh, several of the disciples, and remember the Sea of Galilee. Remember, we uh, I told you I did some digging. Sea of Galilee, when you're doing fishing, it's better to be close to the land at night. And that's what, what was so dope about what we covered yesterday was Jesus told them to go deeper in the day. So we're back at there. We're at the Sea of Galilee. Several of the disciples were there. So we got Peter was there, Thomas, who was the doubting Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee. Then we got the sons of Zebedee, who we know are James and John, and then two other disciples. Don't know why John didn't name them. Simon Peter says, here's my first point. Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. When I read that this morning, what went off in my spirit that it was such a bold declaration. It was a confidence there. I'm going fishing. Just like Tish decided, I'm supposed to have this building. Ain't nothing going to stop him. You heard um, James talk about, I'm starting this foundation. And because there was such a boldness and a confidence behind it, people start following. We just saw Peter, James do that with, I mean, John do that with Peter in 20. When it was time for me to do the HBCU bingo, it, wa it wasn't a, y'all, what do you think? I'm thinking about doing this. I didn't solicit any opinions. I didn't uh, take a, a poll on what do you think about this? It was, I was clear on what I was getting ready to do. I'm doing HBCU bingo. Everybody who joined in with me on this journey just decided I'm going with you. And that's exactly what happens here. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. So now I feel like we're having a bit deja vu. Let me back up. I remember when God first told me, um, and then he sent confirmations that he wanted me to sell my house and move to Atlanta. Once it got in my spirit that this is what I'm going to do, nothing and nobody could deter me. And one night... I'm coming home. I don't, this was probably, I moved 
March 1st. I think this is probably the end of January, top of February. I came home one night. I'm on the phone with my sister, but I pull into my driveway and my cousin is there. And she just pop up, which is, you know, fine. My cousin does that, but I was just thinking like, okay, she misses me. But then I started putting stuff together. And my sister was like, well, I'm coming by your house too. I was like, oh, okay, well, cousin is here. Oh, okay. And I started thinking, they about to ambush me. So I go in the house and we sitting there, we all talking and laughing. And then the intervention starts. <laughs> and I recognize it immediately that it is an intervention because in their mind, what I'm doing is crazy. In their mind, it doesn't make sense. But I had hit my, but if you say so moment, I'd hit that. So there was nothing. So I, I had to start looking at it differently. Their concern was my well-being. Their concern was, but why do you have to sell your house? How about you rent your house? Well, that's not what God is saying. And I tried my best to explain it as best as I could, but I start realizing I can't explain this to them because I've hit my, but if you say so moment, I've hit my, this ain't changing anything. I know you're scared. I know you concerned. I know you're going to miss me. And I know me selling the house makes this move permanent. So the Holy Spirit had to start talking to me through this as I'm listening to them because for them, this is permanent. If she's going to sell her house, she ain't, she ain't coming back. And then there's the responsibility that, you know, being my sister and my cousin, you know, we're, we're close. Um, there's the responsibility is we got to look out for you to make sure this is not the, the, the make sure you know what you're doing. Why are you going to sell your house? What if things don't work out in Atlanta? What if it's not what you think it is? And yet, I had hit, but if you say so. So nothing could deter me from that. And so they had to just get on board, which is kind of where Peter is. He had decided for whatever reason. Now, when I was looking at this, I was wondering, was it a situation of the last time Jesus had appeared to, to Peter three times, the other disciples twice? Was it a situation that Peter was just waiting on more instructions? That the last, the, mass in, the last encounter that he had with Jesus was Jesus giving them the Holy Spirit and telling them to go out basically and disciple. So I'm wondering is because they didn't have any more instructions. This is just me trying to fill in the blanks or just put myself in, in Peter's position that, okay, Jesus said all of that. And I'm wondering if Peter forgot what his role was that Jesus had told him three years ago. How many of y'all have gotten instructions from God? You heard Tish said four years she's been sitting on this vision. Four years. 
and it's just now becoming manifest. For me, I personally don't think there was anything wrong with Peter going fishing as long as it wasn't going out of it, what he wasn't doing it out of fear or out of procrastination. That if he was waiting for more instructions, because Jesus in that last encounter, it didn't document that Jesus was saying, okay, I'm gonna come back in three days to tell you more. Just sit tight. I don't know how much time passed between Jesus meeting them in that room and Peter saying, I'm going fishing. But I also, but I do know those three words got everybody else to move. We'll come too. What is it in your life, in your assignment that God has given you and you just need to make the declaration, here's what I'm doing. T. Wynn says, I feel like a sitting duck. I'm sitting on the egg, like I'm waiting for it to hatch, but God wants me to move. Well, that's a visual right there. <laughs> but what is in your assignment that you, you just need to decide and declare? This is what I'm doing. So the people that God has assigned to you, the people that will follow you, the, the people that will rock with you, that will help you build this, you heard Tish say, She's got a team now, but it started when she has to declare, this is what I'm doing. I'm going fishing. Verse four, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. So here comes Jesus once again in the day, standing on the beach, but the disciple couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? Now, here's what hit me when I was reading this earlier. Here's what hit me. First of all, we already know, we talked about it yesterday. God will violate, I think, who, how Miss Marilyn put it, uh, violate his own protocol. Is that what we said? Basically, we were saying that God will uh, basically violate his own rules of nature for us. Hence why we kept saying the exception. God's exception trumps our expertise. And if you did, if you weren't here yesterday, I highly recommend you listen to yesterday because yesterday was good, wasn't it, y'all? <clears throat> so here, once again, Jesus is showing up in the day when we've already determined that's not optimum fishing time, right? We've already determined that. But here he comes at dawn. And he asked them a question that being that he is omnipotent Jesus, he already knows the answer to. He already knows the answer to. And yet I had to ask, why is he asking them that? And what I came up with, because again, I'm putting myself in the story. He's asking because he knows what he's getting ready to do. They don't. He knows who he is. They don't. He knows they don't recognize him. So he is asking them so that they can be a participant in what he's about to do next in their lives. So when he asked, fellas, have you caught any fish? They have to answer. No, they replied. Now, how many of you 
like to be asked questions about your failures. Remember, Peter is a fisherman. Remember, we discussed that yesterday, that Peter is dope and he was a fisherman. He has the expertise. Come a man asking him a question that they had been out there all night long with no fishes coming in. And here is a man asking him, did you catch anything? How many, if you're in sales, and somebody asks you, how many sales did you do today? Do you really want to answer no? But they had to admit their failure. Jennifer says, I so understand, sat on my vision because I was like, who, me? Was homeless and decided to speak the vision and wonder what if, and he brought the pusher followed with the men and women and they would link on me and build it. And we haven't looked back since. That's what I'm talking about. Mary says, once I move on the first assignment, then he gave another assignment. But does anybody, I didn't see the answer. Does anybody like to be asked about stuff that they failed at? Not while they're in the midst of the failure. Now, when we on the other side and our resilience has kicked in, then yeah, we, we want to tell you that story of how I got over. <laughs> how I got over, how I got over. <laughs> you know, we want to tell that. But we don't want to be bothered with having to be answering folks' questions in the middle of our failure. And we know we're a beast at this. Verse six, then he said, here come more instructions. Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. Okay, so yesterday, Jesus told them where to go, what to do, what to expect. What I noticed a little bit differently about these instructions, because it's, it's basically the same scenario, y'all. Jennifer says, nope, can't stand being asked if I made my sales goes, um, goals. Dolly says, nope, I feel like you coming for me when you do. <laughs> um, where was I? Okay, so when I read this, it was a little different because remember he told him to go, go out, push out deeper, let down your nets, and you can expect a catch. But here... He says, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. That was a very specific instruction. And so it made me want to ask myself, why specific here? And I'm not saying this is the case. This is my process of when I'm you know, going through scripture. I'm not saying this is the case, but I wondered that yesterday, Jesus was in the boat with them. He was with them so he could guide them and be a little more vague. But this time he was on the shore and they were on the boat. So specifics was necessary. And so what I got from that is for those of you who have been given assignments, who've been given assignments, those of you who have been given assignments, stop and listen to the details. 
when God was orchestrating my move from Atlanta to LA, he was so specific on what to do, when to call, who to call. And I had to follow. And because it was in a certain amount of time, I had to follow the instructions to the letter, which is why my house sold in six days for over the asking price. Pay attention. If he tells you, Tish, um, the other day, God told her she would go for a walk and he told her to go a specific direction. It's because she went that specific direction is how she happened across the building. Very specific. And even when she called me last night to bring me up to speed, two things I saw immediately in the spirit. There's a force guarding this building and I didn't, I couldn't tell if they were evil or forces of good. But I told her specifically, the first thing you need to do is find out who owns this building. That's key. I can't explain why that's key, but I believe it's key because you now need to know how to, if you've got a battle in the spirit realm because of what's guarding this building, I don't know what that is, but it was a very specific instruction. Have you been following your instructions? Melissa says, I've been wanting to continue with my assignment, but talk myself out of because I was afraid of being transparent. I keep hearing that people need to hear my story and I am ready. Stick with me, Melissa. I'm going somewhere. Miss Brenda says, I got scared when I heard them. Then I shut down. Stick with me, Miss Brenda. I'm going somewhere with this. It's crucial in this season, y'all. There's no accident that for whatever reason, what I'm saying to you in this season for this month of August is resonating with you, that you're showing up with, a, here, with me here daily because it is crucial that you get the, the instructions that God is delivering through me to you for your assignment. So I need you to be real sensitive. I need you to be real in tune to what's happening around you and how God speaks to you. The song that you notice playing, the, the Facebook post that happens to pop up. Pay attention to your instructions. Because in some cases, God is going to be as specific as he was with Noah building the ark. And anything that you get out of line or you walk in your own expertise, you're going to screw it up. You got that, Melissa? You got that, Miss Mary? You got that, Patrice? You got that, Lashinda? If you start deviating from the specific instructions, you are going to mess it up. Then I did a little, little digging of what's the significance of the right side means. And I came across um, something that says in Hebrew, the right hand was always deemed the means of transferring the greater blessing. So on the right hand side, where Jesus told them to let their nets was where he knew the greater blessing was. 
Lynn says, I've been following my assignment. It is not all clear, but this is definitely meant for me, Teach. You coming back now is part of the plan. I knew that. There are certain people that God has given them a heart for when I speak. And he loves you enough that he will nudge me and say, you're going to go live every day, girl, for a whole month. And I ain't going to tell you um, what you're going to talk about. It's going to be fresh manna every day. I don't have any of this planned. I wake up and he tells me what we're doing. But I need you to follow the instructions. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. We've been there. We haven't deja vu. And I'm wondering if Peter going, yo, that dude, like this, this happened three years ago. I'm like, that dude look a little familiar. This, this, this is, this is hap happening. Verse seven. Then the disciple Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. Here's the part where I'm trying to get to. This is what I love. Get the vision, y'all. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. Now, <laughs> this is the vision, the visual God gave me. It's like, when it hit Peter, I knew, I knew that voice. I knew that voice. He left everything and just jumped, trying to get to Jesus. It was like, if you can't feel the intensity, then let me, let me see if I can come at it this way. You've been away from your loved one for three years. You don't know when you're going to see them. Far off. It sounds familiar. And then when you realize that really is my dude, you don't care about nothing but getting to your dude, getting to your girl, getting to your sister, whoever your loved one is that you love so much that you not being around them makes your heart ache. That was Peter. He didn't care what he looked like. He didn't care was what he was being appropriate. He left his fish. Peter is the fisherman. Don't let's not forget that. Peter is the fisherman. He left his fish. He didn't care. He just wanted Jesus. How many of you thirst for Jesus like that? How many of you? yearn for Jesus like that, that when he shows up, you don't care. You don't care because you just want Jesus. How many of you are willing to sacrifice your Netflix time, your Hulu time, your social media time, just so you can swim to Jesus? This dude had to swim. Let me, let me go on down because I want you to get this. Verse eight, the others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. Now, Bible says only hundred yards. I looked it up. That's about the length of a football field. That's how far Peter swam to get to his Jesus. That's how much Jesus meant to him. He swam, he jumped out. You know what? Oh, here it is. This is what comes to mind. 
How many of y'all seen um, Forrest Gump? And remember, I think it was Lieutenant Dan. This is why this image keeps coming. Lieutenant Dan, remember, was on the shore. And Forrest was so happy to see Lieutenant Dan. And he's running. And he just jumps into the ocean and swims because he was so excited to see Lieutenant Dan. If Forrest could be that excited about Lieutenant Dan, shouldn't we be that excited about getting time with Jesus? Shouldn't we be that happy that we don't care what we look like? And here's where the title of the message comes in of how to defund the they police. Peter didn't care about they. They being James, Nathaniel, the two other disciples, and John. He didn't care. He left the boat with them to get to Jesus. He wasn't the least bit concerned about they. So why are you? Why are you concerned, Ava, about that they? That they that don't pay your bills, that they don't put no food on your table, that they that just, that all they have is negative to say. And this is why I'm loving how God is making me lean on him for the fresh manna because it's the building block when you have settled on, but if you say so, they does not matter. Patrice says they don't matter. Exactly. We are so focused on, and who was it? Was it Melissa that said it? I can't remember. But we are so focused on that they, and that they ain't doing a darn thing for society, let alone the kingdom. If you are here, there's a good chance that you are Jesus free. And so you are called to rep the kingdom. So you're concerned about the they that ain't doing nothing for society, ain't doing nothing for the kingdom. That's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to get down. We're going to stop thinking about our assignment because we're concerned about people who can't do nothing for us. And quiet as it's kept, I couldn't be concerned. They sometimes includes those people that you love the most. So when I'm saying they, I mean my mama. I mean my sister, I mean my cousin. I can't be concerned about their they, if their they is in opposition to what my assignment is. You gotta let they go, kick they to the curb. Verse nine, when they got there, <laughs> this is what makes Jesus so dope. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Come on, y'all. Yo, this is, this is God's son showing us the ultimate serve. He undied on, like, he didn't go like, you know what? <laughs> I undied on the cross for these, uh, well, I was getting ready to say what black people typically call each other at this point. But I undied on the cross for these people. The least they can do is serve me breakfast. Nope. He had breakfast waiting. I don't know if he cooked it himself. I don't know if he had room service come. I don't know if he ordered from Uber Eats. 
I don't know. Grubhub. I don't know. But the bottom line is he didn't have to do it. If that ain't the ultimate Christ-like move, like, yo, he, Miss Brenda says, dang, tease, the boots ain't working. The gloves are torn. I got to lean deep to God. He had the breakfast waiting, not even, the, it was waiting on him. Like, yo, have you ever lived like my mama? Okay, this, this is the perfect example for me, my mama. If I go out and go run or something, my mama asks me, what do I want for breakfast? Breakfast, as soon as I hit the door from running, I can smell the bacon and the eggs. She got it waiting for me. That's how Jesus did them. He had the bags and the bags, the bacon and eggs with, with the Hungry Jack biscuits, with the strawberry jelly and the, and the rice with sugar and butter. If you don't do rice and sugar and butter, I can't mess with you because you were raised by um, uh, ostriches. Um, so no, uh, if you don't do sugar and butter, we, we can't be friends. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, yo, that was one of the dopest moves that I just fell in love with Jesus all over again. He had already died for them and he still was serving them. Waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. Now, remember Simon, Simon had already, see, this is so me. Simon had already gotten there. So by the time they got to the shore, Simon had was on his third helping of fish. <laughs> Peter, Peter was on his third helping of fish. You, you, you know, and so Peter's belly was full. The, the butter was still dripping down his chin. He had used all of his napkins. Like <laughs> by the time they got there, Jesus had to actually make the second round of breakfast. You know how, you know, and when you live in a house with, with a bunch of kids or you're all together, um, mom sometimes cooks in, 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 um, waves. So they were on the second wave because Peter had eaten it all. But here's what I like about Peter. None of the disciples, uh, no. Uh, so Simon Peter went aboard. So he was full. He was like, yo, I got my help. You know what? I got this. I left y'all. Y'all pulled it in. I came at eight first. Had my quiet time, my quality time. And that's the other thing. Mm, I didn't see this earlier. Because Peter was so willing to hunt, after, hunt for Jesus, he got one-on-one -on -one time with his Lord. Catch that. The other ones, they were looking at their duties and logistics. But because he was, Peter was so willing, he was so, mm, he was so willing and so excited to be with his God that his reward was quality time of him to just catch up and have a one on one moment with his Lord. So by the time they got there, he had, he had told Jesus what he wanted him to know. Jesus had, he had been able to get a long, long hug because I told you I'm, 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 I'm Peter. So he was able to get a whole long, long hug. So he wasn't, he wasn't pressed about sharing Jesus because he could watch the shore. So, oh, they ain't here yet. I'm a hug. I'm gonna hold on to Jesus some more. Oh, they still, they still not. Okay. So I'm gonna hold on to Jesus some more. I got some more time to Jesus. What That's what happens when you're willing you're willing to just pursue your time with your Lord. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish 
and yet the net hadn't torn. You know, Peter buys Louis Vuitton nets, but the way this is this is written, it was like 153 large fish was even abundant for the, those size nets. 12, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. Jesus is still serving. Jesus is still serving. He served Peter. He served them. How dope is that? Why wouldn't you want to have one-on-one -on -one time with that kind of savior? You've got to make a decision. You got to make a decision that you're not going to be concerned about today because what Jesus has for you, especially in this season, you've got to be willing to dump the day. You got to be willing to defund the day police. So I'm going to close on this. I'm going to give you three keys on how to defund the day police. You simply have, uh-oh, hold on. One of them disappeared. Hold on. Uh, hold on. Disappeared out of my list. Okay, so you simply keys, and this should be a no surprise to the people who follow me on the regular. You have to act. ACT. You got to act. A. You have to accept God's definition of you and not they's description of you. I always give the example that God has defined us as fearfully and wonderfully made. We are his masterpiece. A chair is a chair. The whole definition of a chair is something that will hold you when you are not standing up. That is the definition of a chair. But you can describe a chair as a red chair, a blue chair, a three-leg chair, a, um, a two-leg chair, if you can balance, a leather chair, a plush chair. You got all these descriptions of a chair, but it does not change. The definition of the chair is to hold you up when you're not standing. So if God's definition of you is you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you are my masterpiece, nobody else's description of you matters. They's description doesn't even factor into the equation. 
If God has determined and defined you as an empire builder, somebody trying to describe you that you po and broke, doesn't matter. If God has defined you as a real estate mogul, doesn't matter that somebody describes you as a high school dropout. Doesn't matter. You have to first accept God's definition of you and not they's description of you. The C. You've got to convince yourself that God's exception trumps your expertise. We talked about that yesterday, so I'm not going to go deep into that. But you have to convince yourself. And a lot of times that is because you're going to have to pray your thoughts away. You've got to take every thought captive because your go-to is going to be by default your expertise. It can't be your expertise when God is saying, but I created nature. I've created the laws of the universe. So it, they are my laws to violate for the exception of you. Convince yourself that God's exception trumps your expertise. And T, you just got to tell God, okay, if you say so, then move. Say it with me. Okay, if you say so, then move. Sometimes you're going to be knee, teeth chattering, knees shaking. Okay, if you say so, doesn't matter. Still, you need to move. Sometimes it's going to be a bold declaration. Okay, if you say so, God, I believe and move. Doesn't matter. But you got to give him your okay. That is how you defund the they police and shut them down. You accept God's definition of you, not they's description of you. You see, convince yourself that God's exception trumps your expertise. And then T, tell God, okay, if you say so, Instagram, we get ready to log out. I see you is counting down. I'm still live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope. That is my heart. Does anybody have any takeaways they want to come on and share? Patrice, uh, there is the link if you want to come on while we're doing our, lap, our last um Cheryl says, I have to remember that it doesn't have to make sense to me. Not at all. Not at all. Don't have to make sense to you. Most times it's not going to make sense, Cheryl. Cheryl, I thought about you in the part, I don't know if you were here when I was talking about um, how Peter said, I'm going fishing. That was you. I'm going to start this project and look at what happened just from you making that declaration. Uh, while the delay um, is happening, let me look at my notes to make sure I've covered everything I want to share with you guys tonight. 
anybody want to come and um, do the uh, share their takeaway there? I posted the link, and then Patrice has posted the link too. Um, Patrice says, "You just gave me my mission statement." Yay! I can't wait to hear it. Uh, I did that. Yep, I did that. Yeah, I did that. Yep, I did that. Um, oh, um. Just one one note that I had I written here that even though Peter had gone back to doing what was familiar, Jesus still didn't change what he had called him to do. And Jesus went and got him. Jesus went and got him. So even though Peter, let's just let's just say Peter went back out of fear or disobedience, whatever. Didn't change. Peter, Jesus still showed up and told him, I'm still making you a fisher of men. Okay? Okay. I shared my heart. I guess nobody, one, <laughs> y'all still processing. Is that why nobody wants to come on and tell me their takeaways? Really? Y'all still processing? Um, Luanda says, I came in late and still getting a frog in my throat. <laughs> Don't know. Go look at the full replay, Luanda. Um, I know you're one of those people that God has called to do something crazy. All right, I'm just checking the chat. Okay, so let's pray us out. Lord God, we thank you. Thank you for another wonderful night of being in your presence. I'm having a good time, God. I can't speak for them. This is fun to me. I thank you for the privilege and the honor of handling your word in a, in a way that's unique to how you built me. I thank you, Lord, that I've gotten comfortable of even putting myself out there that I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't exegete texts, but I can show you the things that how scripture comes alive. And so I thank you that you've grown me to that level. I thank you, Lord, that you have sent some amazing tea lights to be with me on this journey for the month of August. I thank you, Lord, for the Sheryls, my Melissa's, my Lawandas, my LaDonna's, my Yvette's. I thank you, God, for my Talina's my Ava's, my, my, my Jamila's, my Lashenda's. I thank you, Lord, that you, for whatever reason, have given my lens a heart for me. That for whatever reason, what I'm saying is resonating for Miss Brenda, for Miss Mary. Father, I ask that you equip them. Let this word marinate overnight. And as you continue to guide us on this journey through August, I am so excited about the testimonies that are gonna be bursting forth. 
whether they're testimonies within August or it's just watering the seed that you planted. And we may see it next year out of Miss Brenda. We may see it next year out of Sean in your timing. As we know, your timing is perfect. We thank you, Lord God, and protect all my tea lights as they sleep tonight. I ask God that you comfort and heal those who have lost loved ones or, or on the brink of losing a loved one. May you comfort them in ways that only you can. May you show up in that quote unquote midnight hour when they're pacing the floor because they can't sleep. And the pain is so painful that, that they just want it over with. May you grant them that peace. I pray God that you just wrap everyone who is on a grief journey right now, that you show up for them as only you can. May you surround them with a support system that can love on them through this. I thank you, Lord God, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's count it down, y'all. Let's count it down. Let's count it down. In 10, 9, 8, Oh, Melissa says, my takeaway is that I was shamed for being a teenage mom and realized that it doesn't matter what they say. I still carry that with me. And it was holding me back for continuing for continuing setting up my nonprofit to help teen and single moms. I hope this time is actually helping you to defund the day police, Melissa, because you've got to think about who you're serving who you're called to serve. And the more you're listening to the day, the more the teens are not getting what they need from you. Um, where was I? Six, five, four, three. I'll see you tomorrow at 8.15 p.m. Eastern. Tag me, hit that share button for the replay. Share it with some folks who need to have their own but if you say so, moment. All right. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Love you. Bye. Well, that's it. Hopefully you enjoy what my TT shared with you. And like she always says, let's go out and make God smile. And don't forget to hug somebody. It's T2 Mercer signing off now. See y'all later.